Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfin. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nachvetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestin Echo. Vientolum again omgrev or corn rachtum. Yatakshatorin Graven or Corson, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs or Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Thordorakshin. Shachten. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Bomber is the biggest head so far, but there are more to come and the investigations continue across the globe at this point. Today on the Indo Daily, Nicola Talent on the sentencing of Thomas Bomber Kavanagh the Kinahan cartel's main man in the UK. This week, mob boss Thomas Bomber Kavanagh was given 21 years in prison for conspiracy to import Class A and B drugs and money laundering. 54-year-old Thomas Kavanagh, who's originally from Dublin but lives in Tamworth in the UK, was sentenced today, along with two other Kinahan gang members, for drug trafficking and money laundering. He'll serve half of that in prison and half on licence, which means he can't put a foot wrong when he's out. You know, if he's caught even on a driving offence, he'd go straight back in. As leader of a €36 million drug trafficking network, Kavanagh has been at the forefront of organised crime for three decades and was one of Cab's first targets in the 1990s. Bomber was always the one that whenever you spoke to anybody within sort of the gangs or anything, he was nearly more feared than Daniel Kinahan. But who is he and what does his conviction mean for organised crime in Ireland? I'm Siobhan Maguire and today I'm joined by Nicola Talent, Investigations Editor of The Sunday World. Nicola, you were at Ipswich Crown Court for the hearing and sentencing. Can you talk me through exactly what you saw there? So Ipswich Crown Court, which is in a kind of a sleepy part outside London, uh, not a place you'd expect really to see a mafia boss of the ilk of Bomber Cabinet. But sure enough, he found himself in the dock there after a very long investigation sparked initially by Dublin Gardaí, who raided a premises um in Rathcool in 2017 and found his gun store, basically. And in there, they also found a document which led them back to the UK to a shadow company of a legitimate freight firm. And that's where the NCA, the National Crime Agency in the UK, took over. And Bomber and his two cohorts, Gary Vickery and Daniel Canning, um, found themselves sitting in the dock there in Ipswich on Friday, ready for sentencing in relation to massive uh, drug importation and money laundering charges. And when you see him, this mob boss sitting in the court, um, what goes through your mind, Nicola? Is, you know, did you ever envisage that he would be caught? Well, about... uh, maybe seven years ago or thereabouts, myself and a team from the Sunday World went over to Birmingham, where Bomber Kavanagh was based at the time. For years, we had known him as the biggest player on the Irish scene. 
to put it into perspective for you, Bomber Kavanaugh was running essentially the UK-Ireland arm of the Kinahan Mafia. He was the most significant player. He is the most significant player to be brought down so far in this in this takedown of that mafia. Um, and we went there and he, he left Ireland, to give you a bit of background on him, he left Ireland in the uh, 1990s after the setup of the Criminal Assets Bureau. He was actually the first person to be targeted after the Bureau was set up in 96. And his home in Drimna at that point was was taken from him. And he left, I suppose, you're to believe penniless for a new life in England, you know, after being 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 hit by the, the, the full force of the law here in Ireland. But he had very quickly set himself up again, had bought a very nice house in, in the Birmingham area and set up a car dealing company. He was selling secondhand cars. So by the time we rattled up there in about 2015, he was living in this vast property in its own grounds in Tamworth, which is an area of Birmingham that is frequented by footballers and very rich business people. The house was spectacular in its own grounds, surrounded by security and gates, uh, probably five, six bed house, two very flash Range Rovers, his and hers sitting in the driveway and a lot of activity was going on as regards cars being delivered and, and taken from the house. So that was as kind of close as we got to him. And he was very much the most significant player at the time on the Irish drug scene. Uh, very, very violent, dangerous character, feared by everybody outside his mob and within his mob, known to use violence a lot to control people working for him. Um, and he's a kind of a big brute of a guy, to be honest, with you, a big square jawed, very tall, six foot plus, powerful looking man. Um, so... For, fast forward to, to last Friday to see him in the dock in Ipswich Court was somewhere that just shows really how far Ireland, the Gardaí and their counterparts in the NCA have come in this fight against organised crime. Um, Bomber was never somebody that appeared to be he was clearly one of these untouchables. You never thought he was going to be taken down. He'd been operating for three decades. He obviously knew exactly how to operate under the radar, even though he was displaying a lot of wealth. He was hiding that through his secondhand car businesses, et cetera, et cetera. So very, very significant. Uh, and clearly the, the sentencing was enormous. It certainly was. I mean, they definitely don't mess around on sentencing in the UK, do they? They operate slightly differently than we do here. I was interested in on, on Monday in the courtroom when the sentences were delivered. They got the time. He got 21 years. He'll serve half of that in prison and half on licence, which means he can't put a foot wrong when he's out. You know, if he's caught even on a driving offence, he'd go straight back in. Um, and there is a possibility, obviously, there'll be more uh criminal charges coming for Bomber. We don't know that yet, but the, it is very, very possible. But he, 21 years, and then immediately after that sentencing, the judge ordered him, uh, Gary Vickery and Daniel Canning, to furnish the court with a full list of their proceeds, their global proceeds, you know, their assets. They have to give a list of everything they own um, and that proceeds of crime case will, will kick off immediately. I think it's listed for May of 2023. Nicola, can we uh, rewind a, a wee bit and look back on his criminal career? When did it all start? We know that he, he was known to the Gardaí by the time he turned 18, right? Yeah, he was. I mean, look, he, he comes from an area of Dublin uh, and he had would have had contacts even growing up that would have been involved in the criminal underworld. He, he came along at a time when 
I suppose gangs were moving from armed robberies, kidnappings and this sort of thing into the drugs market and, and drugs were where the big money was was at. So he was running a, a drug business here in, in Dublin. As I said, he left around the, the mid-90s, sort of late 1990s and moved out to Birmingham. And there he continued to supply the Irish drug market. He was named actually in the High Court during the cab case against Liam Byrne and his cohorts. Liam Byrne would be his brother-in-law. Um, his brother-in-law was also David Byrne, who was murdered that day at the Regency Hotel um, when Daniel Kinahan was targeted but escaped. So, you know, he comes from good pedigree when it comes to the, the criminal underworld. And he was named as the boss of that burn organisation. Um, and that burn organisation in turn was the, the Irish UK wing of, of the Kinahan Mafia. Um, so, you know, he ruled with power and with fear. And he was one of those people that had obviously agreed and a lust for money and for that power to keep him in that business through three decades. Nicola, how close was Bomber to the Kinahan gang? Well, Bomber, interestingly, while Daniel Kinahan himself wasn't named, I noticed the National Crime Agency mentioned the Kinahan organisation in their in their press releases following the sentencing. Um, but Bomber, they said there had been a lot of uh, of cash found around his properties, including currency from the United Arab Emirates. And he was a regular visitor to Dubai, where while it wasn't said in court, we do know he would have been going out to meet with Daniel Kinahan. Um, very, very close to him. You know, in a way that was clever because they wouldn't have necessarily been seen together. In actual fact, I think the first time they were seen together, maybe the only time, uh, was at the funeral of of David Byrne when he arrived over from England and very much took on that godfather role. He stood front and central at that funeral. That funeral was a show of power of the Kinahan organisation. Um, you know, there was a, a uniform worn to it. There was a particular suits, shirts and a tie. And they they went en masse to show to show their power. And he was at the front, as was Daniel Kinahan. They they stood side by side. So in terms of hierarchy, um, you know, did he answer to the Kinahans or was he this mob boss in his own right? Most certainly in his own right. I would have seen him as being almost equal to Daniel Kinahan, just, you know, operating in a different country. Um, yeah, I mean, Bomber was always the one that whenever you spoke to anybody within sort of the gangs or anything, he was nearly more feared than Daniel Kinahan. Um, Daniel Kinahan would have been seen for a long time and possibly still now, while he's seen as a very manipulative and sneaky character, a lot of people that worked within his ranks would have seen him as the guy with the, the silver spoon. He was gifted a lot of his power through his father's um you know, his father had built up the, the that mafia on on the uh, the Costa and in Amsterdam, and he was kind of, you know, he made his way up the ranks quicker than others. Whether whereas Bomber, Kavanagh would have would have fought his way up the ranks, and to get through that world, a very cruel, violent place, to be the most cruel and the most violent, just shows. In the courtroom on Friday, we were. The journalists who were there were given basically the, the investigation file, which contains um, 
pages and pages of of text messages going between this gang and it shows what they were doing and it shows how the NCA targeted them through surveillance and eventually raids on their properties and how they put together their case. But within it, for me, one of the most significant things was a photograph and it was taken in Bomber Cavanagh's bedroom, the master bedroom of the house in Tamworth. And it shows a picture of a number of weapons that were found between the bedside locker and the bed. Now, there's 30 of them and they're a frightening array of knives, axes, hatchets, um, you know, steel rods, all of which Bomber would have had to hand in his bedroom to use if somebody came in for him, I presume, or whatever else. But that was his stock and trade, that kind of level of violence. He was very much known for, for hands-on, you know, controlling people. Um, he wasn't just directing others. He would have been the guy who often beat up his 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 own lieutenants himself. Nicola, let's talk a little bit about his his own family, um, because his wife Joanne is part of the Byrne family, isn't she? So jo- he 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 married Joanne Byrne, who was part of the Byrne family from Raleigh Square. Her brothers Liam and David Byrne would have operated the Byrne organised crime group here in Dublin, and they were largely supplying sort of Crumlin, and then as time went on, larger parts of Dublin, and as they as they connected and partnered up with the Kinahan organisation, they would have become more powerful. And at one point there, I mean, about 20, 2012, maybe thereabouts, the figures coming from how much of the drug market in Ireland they supplied were quite staggering. There was talk that they actually supplied 90% of the drugs across Ireland. So they grew and, and had, you know, had started to supply the West, the South, other gangs, um, so that's where she came from, Joanne Byrne. And Bomber himself was very close with her own mother, Sadie Byrne. And her father is a guy called James Jaws Byrne, a, a, a legendary fraudster uh, who would have been convicted in the past of um, check fraud and this kind of thing. Uh, so he's very close within that family. And over the years when they used to come back from Birmingham, you see, the Irish police were slightly stimmied for a long time because, first of all, there was austerity. Uh, second of all, there wasn't maybe that same level of cooperation there is now with the NCA, the PSNI and other police forces around Europe. That has certainly come on. But they would have had to sort of watch Bomber arrive in, him and Joanne, and they'd be in bigger and better cars each time. They were coming laden down with gifts. Their spend was phenomenal. Um, and I think it was very frustrating for guards here for a long time to see him. He was living outside the jurisdiction and yet he was supplying Ireland with 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 weapons and with with drugs. I mean, this was a man who wasn't afraid to kind of flash his cash, was he? I mean, he was a mega big spender. Definitely. Um, I mean, Joanne, his wife, on her 40th birthday, uh, which is maybe eight years ago or so now, she treated a group of girlfriends, 25 of them, to a holiday in Las Vegas, uh, flew them first class. They stayed in the Wynn Hotel and they shopped till they dropped and, you know, partied in the casinos. And that was all just paid for by him. I mean, you're talking holidays that were a hundred to two hundred thousand, even for the family. He he holidayed in uh, Mexico a lot, in Dubai. The family had, he had certainly, there's been properties identified in the Balearics belonging to him. And they holidayed there throughout the month of August. Yeah, he was a big, big spender. He liked to show his cash. And that is really part of that power play within organised crime. 
that that show of wealth that sh- is part of the show of strength and, and where you sit within that world. But is it, does it sit well with, with peers, say, within a gang, Nicola? I mean, to be, you know, to be really uh, putting this lavish lifestyle on show for everyone, including the authorities to see. It's almost, Siobhan, nearly part of the culture now. It has seeped in such an extent into drug gangs that, look, there's plenty of guys out there who are operating under the radar, driving a Nissan Micra that I don't know who they are. And they're making a fortune in it as well. But there are gangs like his and others that do flash their wealth. And it is part, it's almost a subculture there. And it's come in and you can see the younger people, the younger members of the groupings, and they're doing it on social media. They're not just, you know, living in the fancy house and driving the fancy car, you know, if you if you get to see them, these guys are actually putting it out uh, for all to see. And they followers, some of them have, you know, 20, 30,000 followers on their Instagram sites. And, you know, they're they're changing cars every couple of days and showing off the new runners and the new Rolex watches and all of that. And and it has very much seeped into the culture of, of drug gangs. Right, I'm arresting you on suspicion between November 2016 and October 2017 conspiring to import and supply Class A Now he was um, arrested at Birmingham Airport on January 12th 2019, while returning from um, I'm, what I'm sure was a, a very lovely family holiday in Mexico, uh, Nicola. But let's talk a little bit about the downfall. I mean, how did the NCA eventually crack the code that brought down Bomber Kavanagh? Yeah, that's really interesting part of the story for me, I have to say. I mean, he was arrested in January 2019, but the beginning of the end came for Bomber in January 2017 when the Irish Guardi raided a premises in Rathcool in County Dublin and they discovered his weapons stash. There was... um, I don't have it to hand exactly, but certainly there was at least nine revolvers found. There was an Uzi submachine gun. There was a Kalashnikov. This was where the weapons for war on the streets in Dublin were being stored because those weapons were primed and ready for use. And it was the Garda's belief at the time that they were to be used as part of the Kinnahan Hutch feud. So that raid on that premises, which was being run by a guy you may have heard of, We call him Mr. Nobody, Declan Brady, and he was Bomber's main man here in Ireland. So that raid was so significant. And within that raid, apart from all those guns and and all the other exciting stuff that was found, there was documents found and one of them led back to a freight company in the UK. And when the Irish Guardi checked with the freight company, you know, were they dealing with this guy, Thomas Kavanagh? They never heard of him. They had never delivered anything for him and, and certainly you know, he wasn't one of their customers. So what they then discovered with the help of their NCA colleagues was that he'd actually sort of mirrored, ghosted that company. And uh, he had uh, then rented premises where he was bringing in machinery, which were actually stuffed with drugs and they were machinery that were specially uh, modified so as the drugs couldn't be seen on X-ray machines. The drugs were coming in in that machinery and there was a kind of carousel operation going on that the money was going back out within the machinery. So it was a really clever way of um, of hiding what they were doing. Now, when they raided and seized some of those drugs in those machines in Dover in 2017, um, they then discovered that there was at least 22 of these shipments that had come in 
And that really caused a problem for Bomber and his cohorts in the witness in the in the dock in, in Ipswich because that raised the bar. This wasn't just a one-off drug shipment. And Justice Martin Levitt uh, pointed to that. I mean, some of the aggregating factors that he listed as part of the, the sentencing was that businesses were used as a cover for this drug operation, that um, the cash seized that was uh, seized around their properties was represented the, pro- the proceeds of crime. This wasn't just a few quid stuffed in a drawer. This was hundreds of thousands that were seized amongst the properties. And that led to the fact that there was very substantial gain for all those involved because it was an ongoing business and it was only stopped by that one interception. Um, successful trips had been made before and would have continued, the judge believed, had the NCA not moved in. He also stated that there was a significant effort to avoid detection and that included the setup of these shadow companies, etc., uh, and the modification of the machinery. The purity of the cocaine seized was 75%, which was very high. And searches of some follow-up, uh, sorry, follow-up searches of Gary Vickery's property in particular, found this asset, which would be used in bulking up cocaine, using it as a filling agent. So all of that went into, you know, aggravating uh, the sentence that they got. Nicola, what happens now? I mean, this two decade long sentencing sends out a message that these guys aren't as untouchable as they might think they actually are, doesn't it? It certainly does. And I mean, this is only part of the massive takedown of the Kinahan Mafia, which is ongoing with international partners. Uh, In one of the most, this is one of the most fascinating periods of organised crime. It will remain so in the history of Ireland. Um, There was a perfect storm with these guys. Europe has a love affair with cocaine, as does Ireland. It is a product that still hasn't reached its saturation point as regards supply in Europe. The market is constantly growing. The money for it is enormous. Bomber and others were working with these encrypted phones, which have only recently been sort of broken into by authorities. But for a long period of time, which I would nearly call the gold rush in in cocaine dealing, they were able to do their business untouchable because they were in these bulletproof communication networks that the the police couldn't listen into. The messages disappeared. The phones often just went blank if they were seized and they could be deleted remotely. So all of that went to help and really to, to cause, you know, huge social issues for communities around Ireland and, and other countries around Europe because these guys got very, very rich. These were street dealers who became billionaires in a very short period of time. And with that money came a power that made them believe they were untouchable and that they could literally challenge the very foundations of the state. And my thanks to Nicola Talent, Investigations Editor of The Sunday World. And you can listen to Nicola's own podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Siobhan McGuire and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was presented and produced by myself with research by Tabitha Monaghan, recorded by Gavin Hennessy and sound design by John Smith. Archive clips from independent.ie and the one o'clock news on RTE. If you like the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave a review.